You ready? 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 Watch out, Grandpa! features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Sorry for the delay, everybody. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE show. Tonight we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly where we talk nothing but sports, usually for three hours, but tonight it's going to be two. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio. Um, obviously, with, you know, of course, the uh, everybody's going to be springing ahead by one hour, uh, I think once 2 o'clock Eastern hits or something. Apparently, that, uh, that caused an error in Blog Talk Radio's uh, – what else is new? Blog Talk Radio's servers. Yeah, exactly, exactly, Lou. What else? What else is new when it comes to uh, uh-huh. the Blog Talk? But um, hopefully, this doesn't do anything to the Survivor podcast uh, this upcoming Thursday night. Hopefully, that goes yes. off without a hitch, because otherwise, we are going to have a problem there. But anyways, we do have uh, some things to talk about. We have the MLB lockout is finally over. Uh, Thank God. We'll, 
we will break down all the uh, all the agreements that have uh, been put into that. Uh, NFL free agency is underway, or it's a technically the tampering period. I think is on Monday. Tuesday, or maybe it's mo- or okay, it is Monday. Uh, so the tampering period will uh, officially be lifted on Monday. So expect a whole flurry of uh, of announcements then. But we do have some major trades to talk about that went down earlier uh, earlier this week, including a huge update on Deshaun Watson. But, Lou, I think, obviously, the first thing we got to talk about is the MLB uh, lockout, where just last week we thought thought that there was going to be no season, or if anything, it would be a very shortened season. Yes. Little did we know that Less than a week later, they would come to an agreement on a new on a new CBA. And honestly, from reading the from from reading the uh, the details, I think the I think the players got a little bit of a win here with uh, with the is. agreement that they with the agreement that they came to. It was a unanimous thirty nothing vote uh, for for the owners. Uh, the players, I think it was like twenty to twelve or something, but it's still it's still passed through with the players. Twenty six thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it was still it was there was a little bit of opposition on the players' side, but uh, we do officially have a new CBA in place. Spring training starts immediately. Uh, teams must report to spring training uh, by. I think it was today actually that uh that they needed to report by it was cause tomorrow. Uh, I think it's tomorrow. Okay, so I, I don't know if it was today or if it was tomorrow, but but regardless, uh teams must report by this weekend yes. uh in order to start up spring training and I believe it is April 5th the opening day. No, April 7th. April 7th. Is April opening 7th. Day. It was yeah. the 14th. And they were, you know, because they were canceling uh, together the uh, second the uh, second round of games until until uh, the news broke out uh, Thursday afternoon. And I get this. See, I was on another I was on another podcast. So we would podcast on Thursday afternoons, and you know we were we were just discussing like you know all the bickering that went on, like you know, well the talks is going nowhere fast, et cetera, et cetera. It's got to be another uh, two years before they talk again and whatnot. Well. That was being sarcastic. Um, you know, another two weeks again, cancel the game. So we want to see this happening until May. And then just as I got off, I go to ESPN like, wow, this is a surprise. We got a deal. Yeah. Yeah, all yeah, of a sudden. I, mean, I was ready to break out a course of hallelujah after that. All of a sudden, there was a deal in place. And uh, parts of the deal that have been revealed, uh, there are no more – for double headers, there are no more seven innings. It's a full nine inning double header for each for each game. Uh, well, also don't forget involved... those are... Don't forget those was the only place in for the pandemic. That was not to be permanent anyway. True, but there was talk there was talk that potentially it would be permanent with the seven with the seven innings. I like it better that way. 
Uh, also that was taken out was the runner on second uh, to mm-hmm. start every every uh, extra inning. Yeah, that is Should've no kept longer it. in play. Should have kept it. You know, I I kind of agree. I think they should have possibly kept it because this opens up the possibility, you know, now that games may go on forever again. With yeah. uh, I, I wonder who. I wonder which side decided that. Whether it was the owners oh, or the, the players. players. The players. So the players didn't. The players didn't want to have a runner on second to start overtime. No, no, I'm, I wouldn't surprise me at all. But I think you should have kept it. Uh, what uh, What was also included was the universal DH. So there, there will be no more bad time, bad time uh, hitting, which that was to be expected. Honestly, uh, the universal DH yeah. uh, that was to be expected. Uh, we also had some of the. Uh, by the way, it is a full 162 game season, uh, okay. so they're gonna act. They're gonna act like uh, the the cancellation of the first week or what was gonna be the first two weeks. Uh, they're gonna act like that never happened, but they are going to start with uh, where it was after the first week of cancellation. So, all right, basically. Basically, if an agreement was to have been made before they were to have canceled the second the second week of games, uh, the major league season would open up with the Red Sox and the Yankees, and it's going to yep. stay that way. It is going to stay that way uh, with Red Sox versus Yankees, and the first week that had been canceled will be made. So basically, the the season will be extended a week, essentially. Mm-hmm. So instead of ending at the instead of ending at the beginning of October, it'll end in the second week of October. Uh, that means you're gonna drag it into early November, and before you know, we'll be having Thanksgiving in the World Series. Possibly, yeah. It'll it'll, yeah. it'll come close to that. Bring uh, your long johns. Also. Also part uh, also part of the new deal, uh, a minimum salary for every major leaguer will be yes. $700,000. So if you, if you're a rookie and you make it up to the major leagues, 700,000 your your pay increases to 700,000. Uh a draft league, lottery rookie. of uh there will be a draft lottery of 6 picks. So the fir- the top 6 picks will be all based off of a draft lottery. Um the collective bargaining agreement, or the, or what's it called, competitive balance tax, uh, has been raised to 230 million, and it will go all the way up to 244 million. And there is also a pre-arbitration pool of 50 million dollars, and that's in new money uh, added. Can I ask in. a dumb question? Yeah. I mean, instead of asking, instead of going to uh, the second week of October, why just make it into a double header? So you can get it over with before uh, before it starts getting cold and drag it into November because no one wants to see a, a game going, you know, uh, into November and you're going to be freezing yourself to death. And you know the balls are going to be too hard to throw. You know, pitchers have a hard time in cold weather as it gets colder in November. So why not just get you know make it the games with double headers instead of you know dragging it through um, mid October? 
Well, you got to think. You got to think. There, uh, in order to do that, they would have to get rid of certain days off uh, during well, the season. And considering, and considering the fact that you need those open dates, then considering the fact that that it's basically two series that had been erased, uh, six games, two series worth, yeah. or in some cases it would be seven games, uh, depending right. on the depending on the strength of the series, whether it was a three-game or four-game series. Uh, right. You know, you've got you to gotta also factor in, okay, the certain teams, the certain teams that will be involved, would their days off match up? You know, would their days well, off end up they, matching up in order to make well, up Well, Mondays and Thursdays are usually – Mondays and Thursdays, of course, usually the off days for most teams. For most teams, yeah, but there are some teams that do, uh, you know, that that do end up playing on Mondays and Thursdays as well. So, yeah, not necessarily would they be Would everybody uh, get the same exact off day? Right. Well, I was going to say, you know. Um, you know, go right after the All-Star break, but no, I guess they won't do that, you know. Because that's what they have done in the past with some games, you know, they would go back to regular play out right after the All-Star game, but I guess they voted no on that. That could have done something, but no idea will be the way they are. Yeah, uh, some, of the, some of the other things that were announced as well, by the way, this was a 99-day lockout. That uh, officially officially uh, closes the door. Uh, one of the new agreements as well is the wild card format will now be a best of three round instead of a one game wild card. It'll be a best of three that. instead. Uh, so basically, with twelve teams now making the postseason, it is twelve teams. They uh, the the owners were fighting for 14, but uh, they ended up settling on 12, which is up from 10 that was under the old format. So the wild card round will now see the top two teams getting a bye, and the four teams that okay. play will see a best of three format in order to advance to the uh, divisional round. So, hockey in the NBA. Almost. Kind of, yeah. And because of the new format, there will be no more tie-breaking games. So if two teams end up tying with the same record, uh, if two teams end up tying with the same record, the berth will be determined by formulas similar to the NFL or NBA. So they'll go with, like, win percentage or, that, uh, yeah, that, you know, that I or series record, uh, season record against uh, against the other team, uh, conference record, and so on and so forth. Okay, I, I have no problem with that. Uh, also, there there is no Rule Five draft officially um, because of the lockout. The way the the way the lockout ended up uh, playing out here. There is officially no Rule 5 draft this year. Um, let's see. One of the 
hang on. I'm trying. I'm trying to find a full rundown of uh, the of the new CBA. Hang on, because I because I had found some of the. Okay, so we did we did the minimum salary. We did the competitive tax, uh, pre arbitration. So, okay, in starting in 2023, starting in 2023, pitch clocks will be used. There will be a ban on defensive. There will be a ban on defensive shifts. An automatic ball or strike zone will exist, and there will be larger bases. Now, keep in mind, this is all starting with the 2023 season for that. So yeah. uh, the, 20, the 2022 season will see the game be played uh, as it has been, with the only exception being, you know, uh, extra innings will get rid of the man on second. Uh, National League will have the designated hitter. And uh, – Doubleheader games will officially be nine innings. Those officially start this upcoming season. Uh, as does oh, and also there will be a forty-five day window for Major League Baseball to apply rule changes. So this is something that uh, players gave the owners, where the owners can basically make a rule change right on the spot without having to wait for. A year, basically, without waiting for a year to uh, to lapse over. So, for example, if like say there's something that ends up uh, like a controversial play ends up happening, and they need to they need to seek out a rule change. Yeah. In order to in order to uh, further disclose, you know, like what the ruling should be on that specific play. Uh, owners will be able to change that rule or put in a rule like that within a forty-five day a forty-five day uh, period. So that rule would go into effect after forty-five days, basically, from the day that they yeah. put it on. Also, yeah. for the first time ever, player uniforms will feature advertising including patches on jerseys and decals on batting helmets. Uh, the number of times a player can be optioned to the minor leagues in one season will also be uh, five times. So I think, what was the previous? Three, I think? Three options? I think so. So uh, that has been changed. That has been moved up to five times under this new uh, under this new CBA and a decision on an international uh, one of the one of the main things that held them up was the international draft um, yeah I was just going to say that because that's what caused all this mess yeah and so it says here that a decision on the international draft will be made by July 25th of this year uh, the MLB will take away the qualifying offer system for free agents by removing direct draft pick compensation. So that is now out the window completely. Um, the total compensation earned by new players will increase by more than $20 million annually. The international draft will be 20 rounds with 600-plus selections. 
Uh, signing bonuses would be insured for drafted players. Additional selections would be offered to incentivize scouting and signing uh, in up-and-coming markets. So, therefore, teams who select players from countries with less than 0.5% of signings in the previous three signing periods will have an advantage. Um, so, also, uh, free agency is officially – it did officially open uh, immediately following the ratification of the new contract, which was March 10th, uh, this past Thursday – and it's, it does say here, attendance at camps is mandatory by tomorrow, but players could arrive as early as yesterday. And spring training games will begin officially on March 18th. So, uh, you know, honestly, Lou, honestly, looking at this, at this collective bargaining agreement, it, it kind of makes me wonder how they couldn't have gone, how they couldn't have gotten to this agreement sooner. Yeah, I mean, the, well, you know, the the international draft must have been such a huge holdup that it was all these other, you know, all of these other numbers. Uh, well, that and also the collective bargaining tax was also a uh, a huge holdup as well. I think uh, yeah. because. Major League Baseball was unwilling to to budge, but it, it, the rest of this stuff just seems elementary. And from all of the, you know, all of the details that we've that we've heard throughout this whole thing, it sort of seemed like it was the owners the entire time that were basically slapping the players in the face. But yeah, you look at some of these details, Lou, and it's like, how the hell could you guys just not, uh, just not give in a little bit to what the players were wanting? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what, what are your thoughts the, on the, on this well, uh, on this whole contract? Well, like we're saying, the the uh, the luxury tag and the international draft were the big holdups right there. But I don't see why you couldn't get to that sooner about, you know, this, this sign that. I think if you could have done that, you wouldn't have been uh, 98 days of a lockout, you know, trying to get the uh, international draft going. But I think once they were able to resolve that, I think everything else was starting to fall into place. I mean, it only takes one breakthrough uh, to, get this, to get this rolling, and that was the big hole up there. But you got to figure, how long can they make that last with the international draft uh, problem? You know, that had to be resolved at some point. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, uh, a little bit, a little bit of an update. When it comes to the minimum salary, I found the exact breakdown. So, by the way, this CBA is for five years. Uh, so it'll come back up at the end of the 2026 season. Uh, yeah. The new five-year agreement. Uh, the minimum salary starts with seven seven hundred thousand this year. And for every year, it increases by twenty thousand. So by the end of the deal, uh, a rookie who gets called up to the major leagues will have his salary increased to seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Play in the major leagues. 
Now, as far as the competitive tax, uh, competitive balance tax threshold goes, uh, it'll start at $230 million this year. Next year, it'll be moved up to 233. Then in 2024, it'll be 237. 2025, 241. And 2026, 244. So, and I believe the previous, uh, I believe the previous one was like 220 million or something. That was the last uh, threshold. Yeah, I think so, it was either 220 or 230 million. So, so I mean, this honestly, you know, they got a 10 million bump uh, for this year, mm-hmm. and overall, they got about a 24 million dollar bump, and. I can see, you know, the play, the players probably wanted more, but better than what the what Major League Baseball was originally suggesting of only a two million dollar increase. Yeah. So, I mean, they did get the owners to budge a little bit. But what's most important is baseball is officially back, and yes. we don't have to worry now about you know, whether or not we're going to, we're going to miss out on an entire baseball season or, or what, because they did officially get the agreement in and, you know, uh, that they can basically start on business right away. And from what we've seen, they have officially started on business right away as there have been probably one of the first uh, bits of, uh, of information to break out was the Blue Jays agreed to a deal with uh, the former left-hander, uh, the former Japanese left-hander of the uh, Seattle Mariners, Yusei Kikuchi, uh, to a three-year $36 million deal after he declined his $13 million player option for this season. And he hit free agency after posting a 4.41 ERA uh, across 29 starts in his final season with the Mariners. So now Kikuchi joins a loaded rotation that features Jose Barrios, Kevin Gausman, uh, Hyunjin Ryu, and Alex Manoa. So... Uh, I think you. I think the Blue Jays could potentially be a dark horse in the AL East this upcoming season. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked, Lou, if we see perhaps all but the uh, but the Baltimore Orioles make the postseason out of the AL East. The Orioles are going nowhere. Clearly, they're, they're, clearly they're going they're going nowhere. But uh, no, I you know, mean, I I mean their, be, season, I, their season will be over the day after the spring training ends. Oh boy, be shocked though if uh, I mean the Blue Jays were in it for quite a bit last year. I wouldn't be shocked if yeah. if we see the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Rays, and the Blue Jays all in the playoffs next uh, this upcoming season. Blue Jays gave it a run, uh, you know, last season, so they it could be a dark horse. They did, yeah. It came down uh, to a three-day race last Yanks, season. 
Yeah, you know, speaking of the Yankees and Red Sox, uh, they are also reportedly they have contacted representatives for uh, Colorado uh, shortstop Trevor Story in the last 24 hours. Uh, The St. Louis Cardinals and the L.A. Angels are all reportedly in the mix as well. So uh, Trevor Story's market is really heating up. Uh, The Yankees... I mean, they've been looking. They've been looking in the shortstop market for a while now. So, uh, you know, it's entire. I think it's entirely possible, Lou, that uh, with MLB free agency now opening up, we may see. We may now start to see some of these dominoes fall. All of a sudden, oh, I'm sure you will. Because I mean, we still have Carlos Correa to keep an eye on. We got Trevor Story to keep an eye on there's a whole list of names that were still unsigned before the uh before the lockout ended up taking place so i mean you know i and it's, you know as as far as the the red sox go uh they are in on Kyle Schwarber uh, obviously, they they want to try and bring Schwarber back after acquiring him from the deadline uh, from yeah. the Nationals. Uh, Jorge Soler, they are also in on. And speaking of that, that reminds me as well. So not only could the Braves lose Jorge Soler potentially, but uh, a big rumor mm. I heard last night was the Yankees are very in on Freddie Freeman. Ah, I like that. I like it. Now, obviously, the we they are. They, obviously, they also have competition as well, though from uh, from the Dodgers. But then again, the Dodgers are in on basically everybody at this point. But yeah, that you know that is. Uh, the the major league baseball free agency market is definitely something to keep an eye on in the coming days here cuz you got to think that a lot of these players are going to want to get signed and go uh you know go into spring training and be able to uh you know be able to officially get back into playing shape for the upcoming season right uh the Cubs, they ended up signing their manager, David Ross, to a contract extension through the 2024 season, which also includes a club option for 2025. After they won the National League Central during the abbreviated 2020 season uh, with a 34-26 and record, they ended up finishing 20 games under 500 last year. Uh, however, with them with them signing Marcus Stroman and potentially being in the market for Carlos Correa, uh, I guess apparently this has given the Cubs uh, confidence that maybe perhaps they can turn things back around uh, with David Ross as their manager once again. Uh, also, coaching assignments uh, were announced as Mike Napoli has been officially moved to their first base coaching position and Craig Driver was moved to the to their game strategy and catching coach. So the Cubs are making a whole a whole lot of adjustments 
Uh, also, been reported that according to ESPN Deportes, uh, Miguel Andujar was apparently assaulted and robbed at his farm in mm. San Cristobal of the Dominican Republic. Uh, thankfully, though, he is now out of danger, but per the report, he was beaten and had a $7,000 watch stolen. Uh, the assailants also fired three bullets, though luckily Andujar was not shot by any of those bullets. Um, he handed over his security uh, camera footage over to the police. Uh, however, it did say that he was expected to report to the Yankees spring training today. So uh, luckily he is not expected to miss any time because of this, uh, because of this attack. Uh, one of the big uh, pitchers is reportedly off the market, though, here, with the San Francisco Giants agree, uh, agreeing to a deal with Carlos Rodon. Uh, oh, yes. of He was formerly of the White Sox, I believe. Um, it's a two-year, $44 million deal. Uh, he was considered to be the best available free agent pitcher after po- after posting a 2.37 ERA over 132 and two thirds innings with 185 strikeouts last year. Um, he will basically act as a replacement in San Francisco for Kevin Gausman, who of course is now with Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Clayton Kershaw, he did officially re-sign with the Dodgers, so I believe it was a one-year deal. Um, yes. Said that he would basically he would basically only play for either the Dodgers or his home state Texas Rangers. Uh, but he did kind of struggle last year. Thirty-three-year-old uh, carried a three-point-five-five yeah. ERA and a 1.02 whip over 121 and two-thirds innings. And he was also kind of injury-prone last year. So it's not the same. He's injury-prone player. It's not the same Clayton Kershaw. No. Yeah, but... You know, it's not it's not the same Clayton Kershaw that we that we've been used to seeing for years dominate the National League. Uh, but I mean, he can st- he he's still effective, but he's not you know the elite ace that he was at one point for the uh, for the Dodgers. Uh, Martin Perez he agreed on a contract with the Texas Rangers worth about one year, four million dollars. And it seems like with Texas, he wouldn't have a ton of competition for a rotation spot. But, I mean, he fell out of the rotation in Boston. So that's got to tell you something. Oh, the yeah. fact that he, he fell out of the rotation in Boston, and then he struggled to put up numbers in the, in the bullpen. I, I, you know, if I'm a Rangers fan, I wouldn't really expect that much out of Perez. You know, this is me being a Sox fan, you know, me being pissed off possibly about uh, some of the blown games that he, that he gave us this season. But I'll just say Perez was better two years ago compared to last year. So 
Oh, I, agree. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put that much stock into uh, into Martin Perez if I was a Rangers fan. No. And also uh, to sort of end the uh, bit of news here, uh, Trevor Bauer he is expected to be placed on administrative leave for a week while. Uh, Major League Baseball investigates a possible suspension after his court case uh, after his court case ended up being thrown out by a judge. Uh, however, Major League Baseball does have the ability to issue and enforce suspensions for non-criminal offenses. So, and speaking of non-criminal offenses, we will get to that with Deshaun Watson uh, coming up here, but. What do you think, Lou? Do you think that Bauer uh, should be subject to a suspension, even though, uh, it, even though his case never even got picked up by uh, by the by the court? If they never get picked up, why would you suspend him then? I mean, that doesn't that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. You know, it was picked up by the court. Yeah, then I would then I would expect it, but uh, not not this case. I mean, I, I guess it's because of the fact that, you know, they have some sort of code of conduct when it comes to players. And yes. the fact that he was involved potentially with some sort of domestic violence probably yeah. plays a factor. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just that he, the woman that he supposedly assaulted was granted a temporary domestic violence restraining order. Uh, and she had claimed that she was physically and sexually assaulted by him on two separate occasions. Uh, also, while he was under investigation, uh, the Washington Post had uncovered court records that showed that a separate woman had also sought a temporary order of protection from him back in June of 2020. And the woman had accused him of physical assault in 2017 and that she had sought an order of protection after reportedly receiving death, threat, death threats from Bauer. Uh, Bauer, of course, ended up denying these allegations and further alleged that he had been harassed and physically assaulted by that by that particular woman. Um, but this uh, this of course was announced back on February eighth, when the L.A. County District Attorney announced that they would not be filing any criminal charges, uh, citing a lack of evidence. Now, first off, if, if there's a lack of evidence, that right there should exonerate him. Or even if it even if it was a woman, you know, if whoever is having whoever is being accused, if there's a lack of evidence against them, there shouldn't even be any, you know. Obviously, the court case should get thrown out, and there shouldn't yes. even be any investigation because you've had how long to dig into this? Yes. So I, you know, I don't agree with what the league has done here. That, uh, no. you know, they're placing him on administrative leave, and potentially may may uh, issue some sort of suspension against him. I I just don't agree with it because. Oh, I 
don't either. You know, if if there was a lack of evidence, then you're basically going with the woman's word that this actually mm-hmm. happened. Uh, it also said that on March 3rd, he, uh, he, Trevor Bauer had filed a defamation lawsuit against the website Deadspin uh, in the Southern District of New York over the media outlet's coverage of the assault allegations against Bauer this past uh, this past year. So, this, you know that Bauer still is going to be in court, but he is going to be the one seeking damages as opposed to. Uh, as opposed to the woman, so yes, you know, I I still don't agree. I don't agree with any of the uh, with any of the stuff that is going on with Trevor Bauer. I mean, obviously, if it ended, if it actually happened, the wo- the woman must not really feel that. I, I, I guess apparently they had said that she was being uncooperative with uh, with with police and whatnot when they tried to interview her. So, you know, I just, I don't, I don't really think that there's anything, there's going to be anything that's going to come of this. I would be, I would be very shocked if uh, they've had so many, they've had so, so much time to investigate him and, you know, place him on a, on a suspension, and they still haven't suspended him, even after he was on administrative leave to end the rest of last season. So, you know, I would be very shocked if anything comes uh, comes of this. Uh, I doubt it. By the way, one one other thing: the Angels uh, they did agree with a for for a one year deal worth about one and three quarter million uh, with free agent catcher Kurt Suzuki uh, reuniting him with the LA Angels after he hit two twenty four with six homers in two hundred and forty seven plate appearances last year. Uh, he will serve as the primary backup for uh, Max Strassi. Or Stasi as the uh, uh, as part of the uh, Angels uh, catching tandem this season. Um, oh, actually, no. You know what? I was wrong. There, there has been more news. Uh, the Mets they made a huge move today. Yes, they acquired right-handed right-handed pitcher Chris Bassett from the Athletics uh, mm-hmm. in exchange in exchange for right-handed pitching prospects J.T. Ginn and Adam Aller uh, oh. in return for the for the 33-year-old All-Star. Uh, he's going to be making about $8.8 million this year as he has only one year of arbitration control remaining. Um, the A's were looking to cut payroll here. Uh, but, I mean, this seemed like a likely acquisition considering the fact that they had just gotten Max Scherzer uh, prior to the lockout as well. So Bassett now slides right along slide. What was that? I did read about that, yes. Yeah. Uh, Bassett now slots right alongside Taijuan Walker and Carlos Carrasco. 
which is now looking like one of baseball's better rotations, along with Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, if everyone is healthy. So, I mean, granted, that is a big if, considering Mm -hmm. how uh, DeGrom and Carrasco each missed big chunks of the 2021 season due to injury, and Scherzer even battled a dead arm during this past postseason. So, and uh, some people may not remember Bassett. Uh, he actually had a major injury scare last August when he was hit in the face with a line drive, and he ended up uh, requiring surgery to repair different facial fractures on his face uh, this what past about season. Fastball? Yeah, it was uh, – it, it it was a pr- probably one of the uh, probably one of the worst hits I've seen off of a uh, off uh, yeah, of a pitcher. Yeah. And I mean, I saw the Alex Cobb hit with uh, when he was with the Rays. Um, but he did uh, come back and returned for two abbreviated starts after spending over a month on the injured list. Uh, I mean, he had uh, a 3.15 ERA last year, um, a 25% strikeout rate, and a 6.1% walk rate, uh, as well as some very strong hard-hit ball numbers. So, I mean, it looks like he is probably going to slot in as potentially their number three starter from what it looks like here. So, you know, all in all, Lou, you know, we may end up seeing a battle of New York all of a sudden now with uh, with the Mets with the Mets making so many uh, so many upgrades this off season. On paper, it sounds reasonable, but let's see how it translates to on the field. Because every time we think you're going to get a good deal, you know. It sounds good, and you know, everybody's all hyped up and everything, and whatnot. But when the players start striking out, you want to, uh, you're, you know, go. Why are we spending this money on you? So I'm more convinced of what happens on the field rather than just hearing what's being, you know, on paper in the trade in the trade rumors. So I want to see about that. I'm only convinced until they start produce, produce, producing results. True. Now the Mets they customer. did lose one pitcher. Uh, the Mets did lose one pitcher, though. They lost reliever uh, Juris Familia, who is now mm. signing a one-year, $6 million guarantee with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, it, also contains, it also contains an additional $1 million in possible incentives. Uh, he does have a pretty solid track record throughout his 10-year major league career. He owns six seasons with at least 20-plus innings of sub-4 ERA ball uh, out of the bullpen, including a three-year peak where he was one of the top late-game arms in all of baseball. Uh, He had a league-best 51-save campaign back in 2016 for the Mets. Uh, and actually, that was that was pretty much the last year where he was a dominant reliever for them. So, um, since that pri- since his prime, though, his performance has fluctuated. Uh, you know, going going from good to bad, back to good, back to bad. 
but he's still one of the hardest he he was still one of the hardest throwers remaining on the free agent market averaging 97.3 miles per hour last year on his fastball um i mean it's he was still one of the more serviceable relievers out there so it's a pretty good pickup for a team who saw Hector Neris and Archie Bradley leave uh, through free agency this uh, this off season. So it, it is definitely, I believe, a bullpen upgrade for uh, mm-hmm. for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, the White Sox. As if, as if we didn't think that the White Sox's bullpen was terrifying to begin with, they have yes. now added they have now added Joe Kelly from the L.A. Dodgers uh, to a two-year deal. The total value of the deal is worth seventeen million in guaranteed money. Uh, it also contains a club option for the twenty twenty-four season, so this could turn into a three-year deal. This is a team that already already inked Kendall Graveman to a deal prior to the lockout. They also have the likes of Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell, Aaron Bummer, and Garrett Crochet as well on their on their bullpen. I mean, this is looking more. You know, I would not be shocked at all. Granted, this is just on paper. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if we're looking at one of the more dominant bullpens this year, assuming everybody this looks can like stay a very healthy. dominant bullpen. Assuming that everybody can stay healthy, at least. Right, right. Uh, some of the other options out there, uh, Kenley Jansen is still a free agent. Uh, the Red Sox are, are looking in on him. So uh, the Dodgers, I believe, are still in the mix as well. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, they they still have Blake Trinan. Wait, no. Okay, so the Dodgers they still have Blake Trinan, and they still have uh, Alex Vesia and Bruce Star Gratterall as well. Um, they did lose Corey Nebel to the Phillies this past uh, you know this off season before the lockout. Though they did get Daniel Hudson, so I mean losing Kelly does hurt, but it's not the end all be all for the for the LA Dodgers. Uh, and according to Joe Kelly, he did say uh, that he would definitely be ready for the start of the season after he had a biceps injury that took him out of the NLCS. So. Uh, that's good news for the White Sox, and this all this almost further, I believe, uh, enforces that they're probably going to trade away Craig Kimbrell at some point. Mm. Uh, the White Sox they did also bolster their infield today by signing former Oakland Athletic Josh Harrison to a deal as well. So there's been quite a few, uh, quite a few deals. Uh, you know, the Rockies they also agreed to a deal, uh, one year deal with uh, reliever Alex Colome. Uh They also agreed to a deal with infielder Jose Iglesias. So that likely means that the Trevor Story 
you know, the Trevor Story era is officially over in Colorado, possibly, because one would assume that Iglesias may possibly slot in as the starting shortstop for for the uh, Colorado Rockies. I mean, there's, you know, there's uh, quite a few bits of uh, of transactions that have gone down here so far in this early, uh, this, well, can't really say early because we're free agency with spring training only a couple of days away, and yet yeah. there's so many players that are still left unsigned. Um. The Twins and Rangers, they also came to a deal today that would send infielder Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to the Minnesota Twins uh, along with a a prospect in exchange for catcher Mitch Garver. And it looks like uh, pitcher Ronnie Henriquez is the prospect heading to Minnesota in the deal. So this is another upgrade, if anything, for the Rangers, uh, another headline-grabbing move after they've already acquired Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, uh, the impending arrival as well of their top prospect, Josh Jung. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, now, now they trade away uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, they bring in Mitch Garver. You know, it's there's a lot of overturn that is going on right now with the Texas Rangers. So, and I, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they, uh, and they also signed Brandon Workman to a minor league deal uh, as well yesterday and if uh if he can turn things around he could be possibly a uh, serviceable reliever for them out of their bullpen that is assuming of course that he can turn things around uh the cubs they also signed andrelton uh simmons to a one-year deal worth about four million dollars plus incentives uh one of the best defensive players uh, that we have in Major League Baseball today. A good, a good signing, pretty much for the Cubs here. Right. All right. Now, on to. I think I've covered all of the. Yeah, I've covered all of the, uh, all the big deals yeah. that have happened in baseball. Uh, so. On to the NFL and the God knows how long of a list of of uh, moves that ha- that is uh, or news that has taken place oh, here. Yeah. And first, first we will start with Deshaun Watson. As <laughs> news broke out yesterday, uh, you know it was uh, it was big it was big enough that they ended up having to hit the breaking news sounder on uh, 98.5 The Sports Hub, which, you know, they were talking Patriots, and obviously Deshaun Watson isn't even a Patriot. He's a Houston Texan. But mm-hmm. uh, a huge 
piece of information, a huge development has broken in his uh, case of, of sexual assault charges that a Harris County, Texas grand jury has declined to indict Deshaun Watson on sexual assault charges as he was facing nine different accusations, and the jury didn't believe there was enough evidence to return charges for each of those accusations. I don't see how you had 22 counts of that, and you couldn't find one piece of evidence? Nope. Is it just me, or is this very peculiar? Well, we did just talk about it with uh, with uh, Trevor Bauer, but also um, Antonio Brown. You know, this this was brought up with Antonio Brown yes. previously. So, you know, this was clearly the biggest hurdle that Watson needed to clear before his NFL career might move forward. So he is still facing civil suits, though, uh, mm-hmm. throughout this whole thing. But the fact that he is no longer under criminal investigation, that now gives teams more likelihood that they would pursue a trade potentially for him. Um, And from what it sounds like, there is a very real possibility now that Watson could be traded before the draft. Uh, And it is now likely that he will play uh, for the 2022 season. And the expectation around the league is that ultimately Deshaun Watson will end up being a Seattle Seahawk. And that plays into our very next bit of information that we have to talk about with Russell Wilson going from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Broncos need a quarterback, though. Yes, they well they they needed one and they got one with the with this move. And I mean, obviously, we'll get back to Deshaun Watson here in a second. Uh, but I mean, I, I still can't believe that you know R- Russell Wilson he. He gave the Seattle Seahawks a Super Bowl. And let's let's just uh, break down the full thing here. Uh, by the way, let me add in, JB, is this you? Yes, it is. Okay, good. I'm making, I'm making sure. I'm making sure after uh, after the huge colossal shit fest that we had a couple weeks ago. Uh, mm. I'm now very carefully adding people on here um, so that we don't have an, uh, another incident that went down, like what went down a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and by the way, JB, uh, we actually have only been on the air for one hour right now because blog talk decided, well, hmm, it's daylight. Uh, what's it called? Uh, it's going to be the end of daylight savings time. Daylight so savings yeah, time. let's, Let's completely fuck up the entire uh, schedule for you guys and not have uh, you start at 9. And instead, let's have you start at 10. I say bite me. So is it, so it going to go on and uh, for uh, 
three, uh, you know, for uh, two hours from ten o'clock, and then an extra hour, probably, or just probably not, or is just the, or is just the, the this the extra hour? Yeah, this is probably going to be the extra hour, more than likely, yeah. because I mean, I'm looking at my switchboard right now, and it says only one hour of recording left. So. Oh. Right okay. now, right now, it basically the switchboard basically says that we're in the overtime hour, even though technically we've only been on the air for about an hour now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, J, JB, uh, you joined us right right around the the story, the the big story in uh, in the NFL. Uh, Russell Wilson is no longer a Seattle Seahawk. Instead, he is now a Denver Bronco. Uh, by the way, this deal cannot become official until March 16th because that's when the new league year begins. However, Seattle will send Russell Wilson along with a fourth-round pick to the Broncos in exchange for quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, which, by the way, I think Noah Fant may be one of the bigger pieces that's coming over from Denver in this deal. Uh, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, along with two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. Now, maybe it's just me, but this package kind of seems a little light. I mean, Drew Locke, I mean, yeah, you're you're just sending Drew Locke over there because they need a starting quarterback, but Locke, Locke isn't anywhere close to to Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, Noah Fant, he has the talent, but he never really put up big numbers because of the fact that he had Drew Locke no. throwing to him. And, uh, you know, the, they have praised uh, the defensive lineman Shelby Harris over all these, uh, you know, because of the leadership that he brings to that defense, to the defensive line. Uh, obviously they get two first round picks and two second round picks, which those are, those are pretty big assets, uh, which by the way, it sounds like Seattle will flip those picks in a proposal for Deshaun Watson. So that's why everybody in the league pretty much expects that Watson will be a uh, Seattle Seahawk by the time that, uh, that the new NFL season begins, but I, I mean, you know, JB, let's start with you. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson, he he pretty much was the franchise quarterback that Seattle was always looking for. You know, he brought them a Super Bowl win, and granted, he was kind of injured last year, and they had a they had a uh, a, a bad season, but does it kind of seem like Seattle is maybe blowing up the roster a little bit too early here? Uh, it sounds it sounds like it, and this is coming from a person that doesn't know Jack about. Uh, your normal, uh, you know, football teams, baseball teams, any kind of teams. But I 
you know, I saw I saw that on my uh, other uh, telephone. I, I was just I just thought, hmm, <laughs> that sounds like uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't mean, know this, what to make know, of this, it. Real. I mean, he. This is a guy who basically can transform an entire team. I mean, you're looking at you're looking at the quarterback uh, situation that was going on in Denver with tr- uh, splitting time between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater because uh, neither quarterback could stay out on the field uh, for the entire season. Although Bridgewater, in Bridgewater's defense, he ended up getting injured, so uh, you know Locke ended up having to play the rest of the season as a starting quarterback, but I mean, there was, you know, now you add Russell Wilson to this team and all of a sudden you're going to see the numbers of Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy all all have career years with probably the best quarterback that they, that they've ever played with, with Russell Wilson coming in. One thing I want to know, who's going to be the backup quarterback? Yeah. Probably probably Bridgewater, unless they move him. I mean, I assume Bridgewater would probably be ready for the start of the season. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's obvious, you know, Russell Wilson, it's obvious Russell Wilson's going to be the quarterback, the starting quarterback. I mean, you don't give up all those assets. Just to happen. Oh thing. yeah. So, uh, I mean, you're you're set to see big number, big years from Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton out on that offense. The problem I see now is Denver doesn't really have a tight end because they gave up their starting tight end Noah Fant in this deal, and now. On the flip side, you have Seattle. Right now, their starting quarterback is Drew Locke. I mean, going from Russell Wilson to Drew Locke, that's a pretty significant downgrade. Yeah. That you're going from. That, that's like yeah. going from I'm – try, I'm, I'm trying to use a good analogy. Uh, okay. A pretty big significant that's like drop. That's going – that's like going from Kyrie Irving to Matthew Dellavedova. If uh, if you're a ca- for Cavalier fans, I mean Dellavedova, you know, is good off the bench, but as a starter, he's no Kyrie Irving. No. And you know, like I said, the picks that they acquired uh, in this deal. Uh, Seattle is expected to flip those picks as part of a package that will bring in Deshaun Watson, uh, potentially. But there's also rumors that they are now shopping DK Metcalf as well as Tyler Lockett. They're two top, they're two top receivers. So it's like, what the hell is going on in Seattle right now? I mean, not just that, they also uh, they also ended up releasing 
hang on. I got to find. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, why am I, why am I having such a brain fart right now? Uh, they ended up releasing Bobby Wagner. Yes. Okay. You know, ju- just a, just a guy who's only been in, who's only been an eight time all pro in the NFL, you know, nothing big, only just an eight time all pro linebacker. Yeah. Uh, that's nothing important. You know, that's a nothing kind of player. One of the <laughs> biggest parts of their defense. And they don't even try to trade him. They flat out released him. So now, you know, they're going to also move on or they're going to try to move on from DK Metcalf. Big mistake, in my opinion. Uh, and they're going to look for a trade for Tyler Lockett. You know, at this point, if I'm if I'm Deshaun Watson, I don't want to be going to Seattle because if they're going to lose Metcalf and Lockett, you're basically going from Houston to Houston, honestly, with this deal, but with this potential sense. deal. It doesn't. If you're if you're Deshaun yeah. Watson. You know, obviously, I would I would hope Watson may actually have some sort of uh, may have some sort of power over where he goes, but yeah, you know, looking at Seattle, Seattle's in 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 line for a long rebuild, especially if they get rid of uh, if they get rid of DK Metcalf as well as Tyler Lockett. Plus, they got rid of Bobby Wagner, and by the way, it sounds like he may potentially be headed to uh, Dallas. So uh, that would be a pretty big pickup for Dallas's defense. But I mean, I mean, Lou, what what are your thoughts on this uh, on this whole situation here uh, with Seattle deciding to move on from Russell Wilson, and he ends up going to the Broncos? I mean, is this, was this coming off of a I think a six and eleven season was this yeah, the right I mean, move? Well, I mean, he wanted out of Seattle anyway, and Denver was able to just take advantage of the offer he got. So, you know, I don't really think this is a bad move at all. This might be what Denver needs to be, you know, contending maybe um, uh, next year. So, um, I don't see oh, anything uh, wrong with this deal at all. I don't see anything wrong with it at all. I mean, he didn't want to be in Seattle anymore. Well, you know, that's another thing too. That brings up that uh that story again where, you know, there were talks that maybe perhaps he wanted out of Seattle, but he then yes. said that those reports were he said those reports were very well, inaccurate and that that he loves he, he he's loved being a Seattle Seahawk. Um by the way, it was a seven and ten season, not a six and eleven, a seven and ten season right. that okay. Seattle just had. Uh, but I mean, you know what? Now you're looking at the AFC West, and I gotta tell you, Josh McDaniels—he picked the wrong time to be to become the Vegas Raiders uh, head coach now, because the AFC West, the Broncos, the Broncos uh, who are seven and ten, add Russell Wilson. 
uh, assuming Lux is 100% healthy next season, you're looking at a much improved Broncos offense. Uh, Broncos yes. could potentially could potentially challenge the Chiefs. And there's a bit of a rumor out there that maybe perhaps a certain a certain Denver Bronco who was traded this trade deadline may potentially come back after getting his ring. It's sounds like Von Miller. Von Miller. Von Miller. You know, he's been he's been floating around that maybe perhaps he may he may re sign with Denver. So you know, there's a lot of optimism right now around uh, around the Denver Broncos. Yeah. And you take a look at the AFC West, the Chargers were in the mix for pretty much right towards the end of the season before they got eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, assuming their coach can somehow get smarter uh, between now and next season and not make the stupid-ass plays that he made this past year, um, maybe they may be in the mix. The AFC West could potentially be in an, a complete mixed bag heading into this upcoming season. I mean, that could, it, it, there's the possibility that that could be the, the, the most highly contested division out of all the divisions that we have in the NFL. So that's, it's, you know, it's definitely something to keep an eye on here. And the chargers, speaking of the chargers, you know, they made a move of their own. They acquired Khalil Mack from the Chicago bears in exchange for a second round pick this year and a sixth round pick in 2023, which by the way, I got to say, the Bears got absolutely shafted in this deal. You mean to tell me that for a guy that you sent, that that, that you spent all of the, all of these uh, assets for to bring into Chicago and you're trading him for just a second and a sixth? Yeah, and he, and he's still one of the league's very best defensive players. Any team would look at that request and say, "I'm taking that trade a hundred percent of the time." I mean, it's I'm just completely mind blown right now. But maybe perhaps this is just the fact that the Bears are trying to trying to amass as many as many draft picks as possible, so they would take whatever they could get. But mm-hmm. I mean, my God, having Khalil Mack—if Khalil Mack is fully healthy—having him opposite Joey Bosa. I mean, my God, you talk about a one-two punch for a pass rush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That could potentially be a huge game changer for the Chargers. 
So, you know, like I said, you talk about the AFC West potentially uh, having, you know, being the the most highly contested uh, division this season. Pretty much the only team that hasn't made moves, well, the only two teams that haven't made moves are the Chiefs, who don't really need to make a move, and the Vegas Raiders. So... I mean, Lou, what do you what do you think? Do you think that this was a light, uh, you know, this this was a light return for a guy who's been considered to be one of the best defensive players in the entire league? Yeah, yeah. This sounds like a this is like a shafty deal. Got off away with, you know, very little. So this was a very this was a very light deal. I mean, this isn't even he didn't even get he didn't even get a first round pick. No, it was a Second and a sixth. I mean, if you to get me, six, that's... I mean, that doesn't mean we have a lot of confidence in your draft pick all the way into the sixth round. To, to me, though, that is an absolute steal. Getting getting Mac without having to give up a first round pick, and instead, yeah. uh, the Bears settle for a second round pick and a sixth round pick. The fact you didn't even have to give up your first for Mac, right? I mean, I I am just dumbfounded right now at this point. So am I. JB, what are your thoughts on this uh, on this move? You know, for a for a guy who is considered to be one of the top linebackers in the entire league. I mean, he's been a he's been a defensive player of the year. He's been a four-time All-Pro selection. He made the Pro Bowl six times. He's Hell, he's part of the All-Decade team for the NFL in the, 2000, the 2010 era or the in the 2010 decade. Not to mention he was also part of the All-Rookie team uh, back in 2014. You know, and to his career, he has 76 76- since 2014, he has 76 and a half sacks. I mean, doesn't this seem like a light, uh, like a light return for a guy who's still considered to be one of the top players uh, defensively? Yeah, it does really. Yeah. And actually, you know, I, I found I found the original uh, the original trade that sent Khalil Mack to the uh, to the Bears. So they traded a first round, or no, they traded Khalil Mack a twenty twenty second round pick, which turned out to be Cole Komet, and a conditional fifth round draft pick, which ended up failing, and it turned into a seventh round pick to the Bears for the the 2019 and 2020 first-round picks, which turned out to be uh, Josh Jacobs and Damon Arnett, who is no longer with the team, as well as a 2019 sixth-round pick and a 2020 third-round pick. And then he ended up signing a six-year extension with the Bears. So technically he is under contract for four more years for the Chargers. So you go from 
having to acquire or, or no, you go from having to give up two first round picks, a sixth round pick, and a third round pick to only having to give up a second round pick and a sixth round pick. I mean, that right there, you know, it's it's asinine. It's weird, think yeah. About it. When you think Very about weird. it, it's asinine, the, fa- the fact that they had to give up so little in order to get him. But speaking of so little, uh, Lou, I-, I have a feeling you may have something to say about this next one. Uh, the, the Cleveland Browns, they end up acquiring weird. Amari Cooper from the Cowboys along with a sixth round pick in exchange for only a fifth and a sixth. That doesn't say much, does it? Only a fifth and sixth pick? For a guy who scored eight touchdowns, eight touchdowns this year with Dallas, and he's only worth a fifth and sixth round pick. Yeah, there's something more than that. I mean, it doesn't show you have a lot of confidence. Or I'm sorry, a nine, uh, nine touchdowns, nine touchdowns. If okay. you count the touchdown he had in the playoffs, yeah, touchdown to touchdown. But you so, know, only going your, with a physical stress pick. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like it doesn't sound like you have a lot of confidence. You couldn't get anybody yeah, better than that. A fifth, a fifth and sixth rounder, and that's all. That, that's all that Amari Cooper was apparently worth. To the uh, to the Dallas That's Cowboys. That's nothing. And just to, just to take into account here, he has five thousand yard seasons under his belt already, at the age of twenty eight. And granted, maybe it had to do with his cap hit. I mean, he is due twenty million dollars against the cap. So maybe that's part of the reason, but I mean Khalil Mack, okay. you know Khalil Mack ended up getting a sixth and a uh, and a second, and yet Amari Cooper, you can only get a fifth and a sixth round pick for him. I I, I almost Very have strange. to wonder, I almost have to wonder if this may have just been a salary dump by Dallas. Oh, I'm sure it was. Had to be a salary dumping. I, uh, JB, what are your thoughts on this? You know, for a guy who had eight touchdowns last year for for Dallas, tying his career high, might I add, in a season, and also if you count if you count the uh, the one touchdown he had as well in the playoffs, that's nine touchdowns total last year. You know, he only missed one game, or no, he only missed two games. And he's only worth a fifth and sixth round pick. I mean, what are your thoughts on this, JB? Uh, num- Numbers-wise, doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really sound like... Uh... A big, 
Oh, how can I say it? I I would think, you know, uh, maybe a third or fourth round pick, not not fifth. I mean, he was only worth a fifth and a sixth round pick in this deal, and. You know, I kind of agree with you. I would think maybe a third-round pick they could get, but it kind of yeah. makes me wonder if maybe perhaps this was a if if this was perhaps a salary dump because they still need to try and re-sign Michael Gallup. So I wonder if perhaps this might have had something to do with that. Like, okay, let's just get whatever whatever price whatever price is offered to us. Let's just let's just take that. And well, and you know, instead, uh, you know, move on, move forward, and try and re-sign Michael Gallup with that uh, with that uh, new cap space. But I don't know. It's you yeah. know, it is just very strange. Seeing that, but it gets awesome. even strange. Well, actually, uh, first, uh, it has been reported now that the Browns, uh, after this deal, have given Jarvis Landry permission to seek a trade. So now they are shopping Landry's non guaranteed $14.3 million uh, salary. And if they can't find a trade partner, then he will likely be released which will free up about $14.8 million against the cap uh, for the Cleveland Browns. But if you think this is, uh, is head-scratching, listen to this next one. The Washington Commanders acquired quarterback Carson Wentz and a second-round pick from the Colts in exchange for a second round pick and two third round picks. So basically the second round swap moves the Colts up six spots and the two third round, basically it's two third round picks, one of them in 2023, one of them this year. And I mean, it does say that the the pick can convert into a well. Well, actually, no. This is still at no. This is still asinine when I think about it. The pick can convert to a second round selection if Wentz plays at least seventy five percent of the team's offensive snaps, or reaches seventy percent and they make the playoffs. This is a quarterback. So so basically, this could turn out to be two second-round picks and a third-round pick for Carson Wentz and a second-round pick. And this is coming from a quarterback who has had probably one of the worst seasons of his, uh, of his NFL career thus far. To me, well, Actually, no. Now that I think of it, it's, I, it wasn't really that bad this year. I mean, 27 touchdowns, 7 right. picks. I mean, it's definitely much better than last year with Philly, where he had 16 touchdowns and 15 picks. Uh, 
you know what? No, it's not really that bad of a deal now that I think of it. Because he had oh, he had over three thousand five hundred passing yards this year. He completed sixty two point four percent, which is probably, I mean, uh, obviously last year. Uh, his final year in Philly was his worst completion percentage of his career, but uh, this is maybe second or third worst, I think, of his career. Um, 27 touchdowns, seven picks. I kind of have to wonder, though, if that may get, if that may become worse now that he's going from an Indianapolis offense to a Washington offense. Where Washington, I mean, let's face it, yeah, their offense doesn't really have, I mean, they have a core of young skill position players, but I would probably rank the Colts offense above Washington. And, I mean, Washington, to their credit, they do believe that they are one average quarterback away from being a serious contender. I do think that that Wentz will play better than Heineke did at quarterback. Oh yeah, but but I just don't know if he's capable of leading this team to the playoffs because a lot of people would argue that that uh, Indianapolis was led to the playoffs by. Uh, by or about they were led to the verge of the playoffs by Jonathan Taylor last year. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, he yeah. he improved. The thing is, Wentz improved after he reunited with Frank Reich because uh, Frank Reich used to be his offensive coordinator in Philly. But he failed to show the ceiling that ultimately earned him a mega contract in Philly. And instead, all he did was he he cut back on the mistakes he made while handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor. So, assuming they do the same thing out in Washington, there's not really much that they're upgrading on except the fact that, you know, Carson Carson Wentz has better stats than Taylor Heineke. Now, it does say that the commanders, they originally tried to get Russell Wilson uh, offering, for, uh, offering multiple picks across the next three years for Wilson. However... Uh, Seattle did not want to trade him to another NFC team, and that's literally the only reason why they moved him to to Denver instead of Washington, even though Washington, uh, it looks like Washington may have had the better offer. But I don't know. It's you know, I, I yeah. It's not do, do you th- do, do you th- do you think Lou that the uh, the Carson Wentz deal is going to move that needle in the NFC East? I don't think so. No, I don't think no, so either. No. You th- you think it's probably still going to be Dallas? 
Well, I hope so. Of course, we got to work on Prescott. Yeah, and also uh, also another thing, too, you know, the Eagles are kind of moving up. Uh, I mean, they had a 9-8 and eight season last year, but assuming that another, another thing, too, is most of the Eagles last year were hurt. So, yeah. you know, who knows how the Eagles are going to be this year. Cowboys... You know they were twelve and five, so this is probably still their division. Yeah, but without Amari Cooper, I don't know what to think now. Yeah, that's that's kind of a bit of a question mark too, because unless they're planning yes. on turning over the offense to C.D. Lamb, I don't like. The only thing I can think of is they traded away Amari Cooper so that C.D. Lamb would become the primary target now with Michael Gallup being the number two option. That's the only, that's the only thing I can think of when it comes to uh, what Dallas is, was potentially thinking there. One wide receiver, though, who will not be on the move is Calvin Ridley, as he has been suspended indefinitely, at least through the conclusion of the 2022 season. So he will miss all of next season due to betting on on NFL games this past season while he was uh, while he was out with his mental uh, his mental illness issue. And one of his bets, one of his bets reportedly involved the Falcons. Uh, he was betting on the Falcons to win as part of a parlay. Uh, and, and yeah, it says that the league Can't statement that. clarified that Ridley, that Ridley had bet on games during a five-day period in November. Uh, and this was after he had left the team to tend to his mental health. Uh, the, the memo also states that Ridley was not betting with any insider information. Uh, no players or staff members of the Falcons knew he was betting at all. Um, the notes made it abundantly clear that Ridley was doing this on his own and the integrity of the game was not compromised. And Ridley can't, Ridley can appeal the suspension, but... Uh, the NFL does take gambling offenses extremely seriously, which is pretty funny considering the fact that they have a major uh, endorsement deal with uh, with numerous casinos. Uh-huh. You have a major endorsement deal with casinos, but yet you're you're punishing your own players for gambling. Okay, uh, very okay. Uh, yeah, where what's wrong with this picture here? It's very hypocritical, in my opinion. It is. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like the league will will push to keep his uh, to keep his indefinite punishment in place. So now, I mean, it's possible he may only miss Weird. this upcoming season which that will put him at the age of 29 by the time he plays next. 
And shortly after the story broke, he tweeted, I only bet $1,500 total. So he only bet $1,500 total. And he said, I don't have a gambling problem. Yes, you do. Yeah, it doesn't matter how much you bet. You got a gambling problem. I mean, to me, it's, I still think it's hypocrite. Yeah, it's bad for the sport, you know, to have players betting on uh, betting on games because, like like Jim said in Sports Whispers, it could take a very bad turn very very easily. Oh yeah. But at the same time, you know, the league the league is acting like, oh, they're trying to protect the best interests of the league. But yet you guys, or they, they're trying to protect the integrity of the league and everything. But yet you guys have a fucking major endorsement deal with numerous casinos and betting sites. Come on now. Yeah. You, I mean, you really, it, it just sounds very hypocritical. Basically. Now, according to uh, according to Fox's Jay Glazer, um, he reported that a couple of teams thought that they were close to a trade for Calvin Ridley, but the Falcons had pulled back because of the league's investigation into his gambling activity. Um, also, there were also reports that he did not want to return to Atlanta for the upcoming season, which, I mean, I don't blame him. They do suck, so... Uh, yeah. Even with him coming back, wouldn't really make that much. Only only with him coming back, that with him coming back, that wouldn't have made much of a difference, anyways. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, so basically, the the earliest time he'll be able to play is the twenty twenty three season, and who knows if he'll even if he'll even be. Uh, Depending on what the league does, they may suspend him for longer than just this season. Uh-huh. So this could have a very significant impact on his whole the whole rest of his career. Basically, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know something ultimately ends up happening the way that uh, Major League Baseball did with Pete Rose. Where they yeah. basically banned, where they basically banned Pete Rose from the league for life. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something similar. I mean, uh, obviously they've only started initially with the one-year suspension, but that can always change. That can, they can always go even further with this. Yeah. So. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Lou? You know, is it is it, do you do you think one year is enough, or do you think it's going to it's it's going to end up being more than a year? Well, I think a year is enough, but I still think at the same time um, that more of a severe penalty is going to be uh, included. It'll be added on to that. I mean, this is no different than what Pete Rose did, right? And don't forget gambling on. Players betting on it, you know, that's nothing new. That dates back to the 50s anyway. You know, it happened then, and but it was a lot more stricter uh, back then, too. 
you know, automatically spent for a year or whatnot. Um, you know, and then they didn't have a game for 30 years until Pete Rose, you know. But they were, you know, they're pretty much dead set in their ways. Like, no, you can't do it. You you broke a, a cardinal rule, and you're going to pay for it. So I'm afraid that a year is minimum. I think it could be uh, two, maybe even three years. I don't necessarily think it's going to ban it for life or if you ever it's going to be considered a Hall of Fame. I don't see it happening. It doesn't really go by that way anymore, but a year minimum. Yeah, it's gonna happen. I do see I do see more coming. And you know, believe it or not, the only reason why he got caught is because he did it while out of state. Uh huh. He bet on games he bet on games while out of state and that's how uh because because of the state's the state's law didn't apply to him uh like like it like it did in his home state. So instead, because he was out of state, and he was he was doing he did it through I think it was DraftKings that he did it through, and because of that, ultimately uh, DraftKings ultimately ended up contacting, uh, you know, contacting the NFL, and they basically flagged him, you know, saying that it was that he was betting on games. And the one thing that gets me is if you're a player, if you're a player, why are you not smart enough to have, I don't know, a family member do it for you? You know, set up a burner, set up a burner account. Don't, don't have anything that would, that would, that would link it to you. I mean, really? Yeah, you know it's it's just how stupid can you be? Obviously, yeah, that, that, they could, that they could very the fact that they could very easily trace it back to you. I don't know. It's just just wasn't smart at all. But and now because of that, no. yeah. He's now he now because of that he's now lost an entire year uh, of another year uh, sure. an entire year of work which 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 by the way he will not get paid for so uh, yeah hopefully he's been saving his money but considering how he's been uh, how how he decided to start gambling maybe not. Uh, by the way, the NFL they did announce the salary cap for this season will be set at two hundred and eight point two million, uh, which is a increase from twenty twenty of about twenty seven or twenty five point seven million. Even after the league took a took a step back last year because of the COVID pandemic. Uh, where the salary cap dropped by 15.7 million, so this is a pretty big increase for the NFL when it comes to their salary cap number. Um, some of the some of the uh, notable franchise tags, by the way, uh, for players that have been that have been uh, applied the franchise tag, uh, Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Bucks. He got the franchise tag applied mm-hmm. to him. Uh, Devontae Adams with the Green Bay Packers. 
And by the way, that's a, you know that's another thing too. Aaron Rodgers has officially agreed to come back to the Packers uh, on a renegotiated contract. Originally, it was expe- uh, it was reported that it would be for four years uh, for two hundred million dollars, which would uh, basically set the all time record I think for mo- for average annual value for a quarterback and. He has since disputed those numbers, uh, but Rodgers is officially going. He, he did say, though, that he is going to stay as a Green Bay Packer, and it sounds okay. like he may just be going. He may just be going year year for uh, year by year here uh, with his decisions. But um, let's see. The Bengals they also use the franchise tag on their free safety Jesse Bates. Uh, the Browns, they use their franchise tag on David and Joku, which is kind of surprising. Even though he had the third most catches as a tight end last year, uh, kind of surprising considering the fact that he's not even fantasy relevant. So I wouldn't think he's that big of a of a factor in Cleveland's offense, but they, they ended up assigning the franchise tag worth about $10.8 million uh, for a tight end to uh, Njoku for this season. Uh, let's see the Patriots in a surprising move. They did not use the franchise tag on JC Jackson which officially mm. makes him uh, the probably the most coveted cornerback on the on the free agent market. So I would not be surprised at all if J.C. Jackson ends up uh, ends up finding himself a new home with the sure to be laundry list of teams that will be interested in him. Uh, as well. Uh, as well as losing J.C. Jackson, they also released Kyle Van Noy uh, after he was previously signed to a two-year deal last March. Uh, by releasing him, they clear about $5 million worth of cap space, so kind of makes you wonder if the Patriots are on the verge of potentially making a move. Supposedly, they've been going after a number one wide receiver, Uh they have a they have their uh, their hands in a in a few cookie jars from what it sounds like. Uh, and got caught. Well, no, they didn't get caught, but it seems like they they may have their hands in a few cookie jars uh, once free agency opens up here. So I would not be surprised at all if maybe perhaps we may see. Uh, New England make another big splash like they made last year in free agency. Yeah. So that's something. I I mean, if they weren't going to give the money to J.C. Jackson, they must feel that they can replace J.C. Jackson on on the defense. But, I mean, the kind of money that J.C. Jackson is looking for, you could probably give that to a number one wide receiver, which is somebody that the type of player that the Patriots are looking for, because that's been, you know, that was probably the biggest critique of them this year 
was the fact that they didn't have a bona fide wide receiver to go to. You know, they had a couple of role players uh, for wide receivers. You know, maybe uh, people would consider uh, Kendrick Bourne to be a number two wide receiver, but they didn't really have a bona fide number one. So with a couple of number ones on the market in Allen Robinson, uh, Jarvis Landry could potentially fit that role possibly. You know, it sounds like the Patriots may be in the running to make a to make an acquisition or two here. Um, so, you know, maybe perhaps that's why they didn't re-sign J.C. Jackson because they're going to instead position that money towards getting a bona fide receiver. Um, let's see. Tyreek Hill, he is expected to agree to a four-year, $85 million extension with the Chiefs this offseason, as he is currently in the final year of a three-year, $54 million deal. Uh, his yeah. new deal would include around $40 million in guarantees, and it would make him the highest-paid receiver in average salary behind DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones. Uh, also, with an extension, it would lower his cap hit for this upcoming season as well, which would allow uh, Kansas City more opportunity or a, a little more space to uh, to add players in free agency, which, by the way, it sounds like Tyron Matthew they may be letting go because uh, Tyron Matthew is expected to test the free agent market this year. So that's something uh, to keep an eye on. Also, uh, the the Indianapolis Colts have lost Jack Doyle as he has officially announced Uh his retirement from the NFL uh, after nine seasons where he spent his entire nine-year career with the Indianapolis Colts. he basically he finishes with 295 catches for 2,729 yards and 24 total touchdowns. And with Mo Ali Cox as a free agent, second-year tight end Kylan Granson is currently atop the Colts depth chart in, for for tight ends. So Jack Doyle no longer being on the roster. Uh, you're, I, I think right now you're looking at a at a little bit of turnover right now in that Colts uh, locker room. I would not be surprised if we potentially see a rebuilding year for the Colts this year. Mm, maybe you're right, but I hate that word. Especially considering they lost uh, Carson Wentz as well. That's definitely in, in total of a rebuild. I mean, you lost your star quarterback, and now you got to start over again from scratch. Uh, the Vegas Raiders, they did sign defensive end Max Crosby to a four-year, $95 million extension, which will put him with the team through the 2026 season. Uh, the deal contains $53 million guaranteed, and his $23.75 million annual average 
makes him the league's fourth highest paid edge rusher uh, in the league. And he hasn't missed a game since turning pro and has 25 sacks in three seasons. He was just named to his first Pro Bowl this la- this past season and has been one of the lone bright spots on Vegas' defense. So this one was definitely a uh, much-deserved contract for him. Uh, let's see. Some of the other bits of news. It looks like, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, there has been a push by some within the Lakers organization to remove Russell Westbrook from the starting lineup. And it's it's been clear that it's been clear that the partnership hasn't worked out since being signed. Uh, he is posting the worst some of the worst numbers of his NBA career to date. And they have struggled to establish team chemistry 62 games into the season. Uh, now, while while head coach Frank, Vo- Frank Vogel did say recently that everything was on the table when asked about the possibility of bringing him off the bench, that hasn't right. happened yet. And also, it was reported by Mark Stein that the expectation is that Westbrook will not be a Laker next season. Uh, with a player option worth some $47 million, he is likely going to be traded. Uh, the Lakers could propose a buyout, but it's highly unlikely that Westbrook would leave that kind of money on the table. So, you know, I think the big question, you know, you kind of have to ask, is the Russell Westbrook trade the potentially the worst trade in Lakers history. Oh, I would think so. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. I not, mean, I don't know what is, I mean, they traded, uh, they traded away Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Montrez Harrell, and the number 22 overall pick in exchange for Russell Westbrook and two second-round picks in 2024 and 2028, which, honestly, to be fair, second-round picks, they're almost equivalent to to picks five through seven in the NFL. So, although there have been some good steals in the second round, though, uh, throughout the NBA's history, but... You know, this was basically ultimately Russell Westbrook for Kyle Kuzma, who, by the way, Kyle Kuzma has become. Kyle, yeah, he's been overhyped, but he's he's become quite a stud though for the Wizards. Well, uh, no, I mean, I mean, um, Russell Westbrook overhyped for the Lakers. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And it, especially if they don't make the playoffs this year, it could go. It could definitely go down as the worst trade in Lakers history, according to Magic Johnson. Yeah, but yet yeah, it was the Lakers coaching staff who reportedly pushed for the trade to begin with. Right. So, I mean, it's. 
this definitely it, it has the potential to be one of the worst one of the worst trades, if not the worst trade in Lakers history. And yeah. I mean, the the guy's family has received death threats from Laker fans over over his uh, his play this season. And you know, the Lakers they could have moved on from Westbrook, actually, uh, this past trade deadline. They had a deal on the table that would have included sending John Wall from Houston to L.A. as part of a deal that would bring back Russell Westbrook to Houston. And L.A. decided not to go through with the deal. And now they may potentially be regretting that move. Now, you know, it's funny to say that this may be some of the worst stats he's had career-wise when you consider 18.3 points per game, 7.6 rebounds, and 7.2 assists. That's actually pretty good for a point guard. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a guy who averaged triple doubles for years. So... You know, right. you can kind of see why people are saying that this is probably some of the worst stats that he's put up uh, throughout his career. But, I mean, come on. It's, you know, right from the start, this trade was never going to work out because you have Russell Westbrook who wants the ball, but yet you also want you also have LeBron James who acts as a point guard, basically. Right. You know. But anyways, uh, you know, that is going to, I mean, we we have about, we have about two. What what was that, Lou? I guess time's up. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We do have about, uh, about a minute and a half left. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, gentlemen. Uh, good night. Talk to you next week. All right, Lou. Thanks for thanks for joining me tonight. Um, hopefully, we have better cooperation from Blog Talk Radio on Thursday night, and this doesn't happen with the Survivor podcast. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, everybody have a good rest of your weekend. Um, you know, don't forget to turn the clocks back at around. I think it's well. They'll turn back uh, automatically for some people, anyways, uh, depending on whether it's a device or or whatnot. But uh, yeah, we are pretty much out of time for tonight. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Missy AE podcast on Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, um, or Amazon Music as well. And we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly, uh, as well as this upcoming Thursday night for another edition of the Survivor Recap Show, Survivor 42 Recap Show, hosted by Jim Early, whom without none of these podcasts would be possible. So everybody have a good rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night.